In Your Corner, we're back. Uh, help at inyourcorner.ca. You want to send an email along? We'd love to hear from you over the course of the next hour. The phone number anytime, one 821 And uh, lots to focus on today. So, man, what do you got going on for the other uh, week that was, pal? John, let's start off with a long-term disability claim. So this, uh, this individual, 34-year-old lady from uh, Vancouver, yep. uh, contacted me, and she deals with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia, which means that she has difficulty going out in yep. public spaces. And the reason she's contacted me is because apparently she's been on LTD for about a year and a half, and the insurance company contacted her, the adjuster, and said that uh, she has another six months to go but that they do not consider her to be totally disabled and they likely won't cover her once the two years are up. And then she ends uh, her email by saying, I'm wondering how to proceed. So this is really interesting, right? Because we keep talking about this, but I want to really break this down. So number one, why are we dealing with two years here? Let's go back to basics for the listeners who are just joining. For long-term disability claims to qualify for LTD, The test generally is, can you do your own occupation? Can you work in your own chosen occupation? Um, And if you can't, and if your doctors confirm in writing that you can't, you should be able to get long-term disability. Beyond the two-year mark, that's when the test changes. The criteria for getting LTD changes from your own occupation to any occupation. So highlight that, any occupation. But it's any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. So if you're a surgeon, no one's going to ask you to go work at Tim Hortons. Right. Nothing wrong with working at Tim Hortons, but it's not really yeah. the same it's thing. It's not really on par. It's just not the same thing. It's not what you went to school for or have training or education and, uh, and experience in. Now, this lady is saying, well, okay, the adjuster told her now that in about six months, at the two-year mark, she's going to get cut off. Well, what I would want to know and the information that I would want to get is, did that person say, we think you're not going to qualify or did they set a hard date? Because John, that's what they do in many instances. They'll tell you, here's the specific day on which your, your, or specific month uh, on which your payments are going to end. If they do that and your doctors are still saying that for the foreseeable future, you are disabled from working in any occupation. Well, then, as far as I'm concerned, that is anticipatory breach Breach. by the insurance company. We talked about that. Now, there's not going to be a quiz or a test at the end of this, so listeners, you don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to ask you what anticipatory breach means, but just understand this. If the insurance company is telling you ahead of time that they're going to cut you off, LTD, and that's contrary to what your doctors are saying, your doctors are saying you cannot go back to any job, really, and we don't know when you'll be able to go back to another job, then the insurance company is not doing the correct thing. In fact, they are in breach of their obligations under that policy, that LTD right. contract, by telling you they're going to cut you off. And you need to contact us at that point, not when you get cut off in six months, but now when they've told you that they're going to do that. And you know why, John? Because the reality is if they told you they're going to cut you off, they're going to cut you off. They will not be changing their mind. And I know that when you get that letter from the adjuster, it says at the end, you, you can appeal this if you want. And you think to yourself, you know, I got six months to go. I can appeal this. Maybe I can change their minds. You are not going to change their minds. It's extremely rare for me to see an appeal actually succeeding. And yeah. usually those are in very specific and rare circumstances. But what happens when people think that they can do that? Well, they run out the clock. They will try and appeal once, twice, three times. At that point, you would have gotten cut off already. The six months would have elapsed. You're done. Now you have no money coming in. You have bills piling high. You have no idea what to do. And you're thinking, oh my God, I can't fight the insurance company. That's why you don't wait until you get cut off. 
As soon as you're told you're going to get cut off, that is when you contact us because the reality is that if it's far enough in advance, we actually may be able to come to some kind of a resolution with the insurance company and avoid you not having any money coming in. So that is absolutely crucial. At the very least, by contacting us, you'll get information that will arm you and help you understand what your rights are, and then you can decide if you want to wait or not. 1-855-821-5900, the number help at inyourcorner.ca. Reminders, well, on Global TV, uh, In Your Corner happens on Sunday mornings at 8.30. So got a couple minutes to go. Uh, some recent affiliations with the firm, right, you want to talk about? Yeah, we've, we've gotten a lot of people contacting us just because they're listening to the show and, and Lior's show about employment law. So yep. people contact us about the, uh, workers' compensation. You know, I was injured, uh, I was injured on the job, uh, or, or perhaps, uh, you know, I'm having difficulty with uh, WSIB. They've rejected my application. I need to appeal, whatever. If you have any issues with workers' compensation, we now have a consultant. She doesn't work for the firm, but she's got several decades' worth of experience Beautiful. with workers' compensation. We can put you in touch with, them, uh, with, with her, and she can help you. And, and, and frankly... Even if you are dealing with CPP disability, government, uh, and we talk about CPP disability in the context of long-term disability claims, but even if you are not on long-term disability, but you are disabled Mm -hmm. and you are applying for CPP disability, you want help with the application or you've been denied and you want to appeal that, it's okay to appeal those. Not LTD, but CPP disability, absolutely. Again, we have consultants uh, that we're affiliated with that can help you with that. So so be sure to get in touch with me, and I'll put you in touch with those consultants. Three feelings most LTD claimants feel when they're dealing with their insurance company and what to do about them. We'll get that to uh, to that very shortly. You want to send your emails as long, along. And, uh, that's simple. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. We'll get to a pile of those. As the show continues, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And a reminder, Global TV, that is when the show happens Sundays at 8.30 in the morning. You can see us on the little screen. How cool is that? Lots more of In Your Corner is on the way right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 the number anytime. Get a hold of Savan, rest of the team. That is uh, how you do it, help at inyourcorner.ca. Some emails coming up very shortly. First, I want to get to this, and uh, three feelings most LTD claimants feel when they deal with their insurance company and what to do about them. I guess you had to narrow this down to three, right? We did, and, and you know, John, the reason that I want to talk about these three feelings okay. is because I see this day in and day out, and and people need to understand that they're not alone. And one of the ways that I express to individuals that I speak with every day that they're not alone is by telling them, guess what? I speak to other people every single day that have the exact same feelings, uh, and and those feelings are are debilitating, and those feelings make you feel worthless and powerless, and and you're afraid. So let's talk about those three uh, feelings that uh, most claimants who are struggling with long-term disability, uh, tell me about. First one uh, off the top, a big one, fear. Tell me about it. Fear, that is absolutely huge. And think about this. You are dealing with this huge insurance company, billion-dollar company that's telling you you have no case. There's no legitimacy to your claim. We've done surveillance, or we have our doctors who say you're not disabled. So you feel intimidated by this insurance company. There is a perception out there that insurance companies are right. And there is a perception out there that insurance companies are powerful, all powerful. These are just perceptions. That's the thing people need to understand. It's an illusion. It's an illusion of power that insurance companies have created. And you see this in the movies and you read about this in books. It's an illusion. And why do I say it's an illusion? Not because they don't really have the money to fight you. Of course they do. But they would rather keep that money. So the illusion is that you think that they're all powerful, that they control everything, that it, you know it's you versus the house. No, that's incorrect. 
as soon as we start a legal claim against an insurance company, we rob them of that power because now the legal process is what governs right. the relationship between you and them. If you are right under the law, guess what? They can't do whatever they want. They're not tyrants. So as long as you understand, this is like the matrix, right? Take the blue pill, not the red pill. That's right. As long as you understand that the story ends, that illusion ends, as soon as you stand up for yourself, as soon as we start a legal claim and they have to hire a defense lawyer to defend them, they are now bleeding money, money they don't want to bleed because they're in the business not of bleeding money but of making money. You bet. That's when you break through the illusion. That's when you suddenly find out that the insurance company is eager to settle with you. Why are they eager now? Why were they not eager before when they were telling me I had no case? Why is it that at a mediation they're coming with two, three, four hundred thousand dollars? Again, not everybody's case is the same, right? It's all detail specific. But why is it that, you know, I go with my clients one day and they're offered whatever the amount is, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million dollars, whatever it is, and yet just six months before they told my client that they're not supposed to be getting anything. Nothing. Well, not because suddenly they became good hearted or, you know, this is charity. No. It's because we broke through the illusion. My clients decided to stand up for their for themselves. We know how to enforce those rights. And suddenly that fear that they had that was paralyzing them dissipates. Part of that fear, though, is the communication back and forth. I mean, it's intimidating. So what happens to that once you guys get involved? Once we get involved, we're the ones who take over the communications, which again breaks through the illusion because now our clients only have to deal with us. So we are now sort of the wall between the insurance company and the individuals. And John, not to make you laugh, but you know, talking about a wall, I'll tell you right now, when we get involved, ultimately it's the insurance company that, pay for, that pays for that wall. Three feelings most LTD claimants feel when dealing with their insurance company. Number two, uh, we, we kind of touched on this, and this one's uh, probably a no-brainer. That is frustration. So again, that's derived from fear. It's derived from powerlessness. And, and you know, people get frustrated when they are submitting medical proof. And what's medical proof? It's letters from their doctors. It's reports from people yeah. who've been treating them uh, for months, if not years, saying to the insurance company, this person is disabled from working, either because of an injury or because of an illness or a mix. And yet the insurance company ignores that and gives you excuses and tells you that because of excuse number one, we're not going to pay your claim, or excuse number two or three, or sometimes a combination of those. So again, you feel frustrated because what else does the insurance company want from me? And by the way, it's not just the individual. I hear this from doctors. I hear this from psychologists, from social workers, people who are in the business of helping other people who are frustrated with having to deal with insurance companies day in and day out, adjusters who are not listening to them. So what is the solution? Again, you have to understand that this is, there, is a, there is a mechanism that's been put in place here to frustrate you. This is intentional. Nice. You understand? They are trying to shake you off claim. They're trying to shake you off trying to get money that is owed to you by law. And they succeed in the vast majority of instances. Where they don't succeed is when, again, you break through the illusion, you stand up for your rights. We initiate a legal process that takes the power away from them. And again, people listening are saying, oh, well, you're a lawyer. This is your job. You know, it's your business. I don't care if you are going to call me or not. Trust me, there's a lineup of people who are calling us and emailing us. I, it's not like I'm looking for extra business to drum up. We get enough yeah, people right. contacting us. But it's important that even if you yourself are going to go uh, and, and, and challenge the insurance company, don't do it on your own, number one, unless, yeah. you have, unless you're a lawyer. Uh, but go to someone that you trust, someone who deals with that area of law, because you will need that help. 
So, so you know, I'm not just saying this from my health here. I'm telling you that this is, in fact, the case. And remember, I used to work for insurance companies. James is not here today, but he'll tell you the same thing. He used to work for insurance companies. We've been on the other side. We've, we've defended insurance companies. So we understand the way that, you, you know, the, the, they operate and they work. And it's not overly complicated. <sighs> They're there to make money, just like a casino. But the only way they make money is by preying on the, the public. Sure. That's, that's how they make money. That's how they get their profits. There's billions of dollars of profits. Three feelings most LTD claimants feel when they're dealing with an insurance company. We had fear. We had frustration. And he guesses what the third one is. It's a natural progression at that point. We'll get to that after a short break. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out as well. We'll get to some of your emails in just a bit. Lots more In Your Corner is on the way. Global News Radio. More In Your Corner right back at it. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out. Uh, emails are coming through. We will get to those very shortly, I promise. But uh, anyway, talking about the three feelings most LTD claimants feel when dealing with their insurance company uh, off the top was fear. Then they move into frustration. We covered that. And the last one, oh, lo and behold, is anger. There's a natural progression for you when you're very, dealing with very those natural. guys. Very, and some, listen, sometimes people feel anger at the beginning, but yeah. then it translates into fear and frustration. Right. But anger is an extremely common emotion for people who are dealing with long-term disability. Sure. Uh, and especially on behalf of a spouse or a family member or or a friend that's concerned about someone who's fighting an insurance company and is losing that battle. Uh, and, and what's the source of that feeling of, of the ang- of the anger that people feel? It's the power imbalance. It's feeling bullied by an adjuster, by the insurance company. It's having no money coming in. The bills are piling up no. high. And, you know, you are angry at your insurance company for failing to provide the safety net that they promise you, that you paid for or your employer paid for, right? It's simply not fair. There is a fairness issue here. Again, what is the solution? Certainly not to continue staying angry or not be afraid or not be frustrated because those are going to get you nowhere. Those are feelings, all those three, fear, frustration, and anger. Those are feelings insurance companies would love you to have because naturally people don't want to have them. And if you have them, you want to try not to have them. And one way not to have them is to dissociate yourself from the situation. And what does that mean? It means walking away from money that is owed to you. So again, you have to understand there are legal mechanisms in place. There is a law system in place that the insurance companies must abide by. And that's what we employ to force them to the table. And, you know, when, when I speak with someone or with, you know, generally I see this with a husband and a wife uh, situation where the husband or the wife is battling some kind of an illness. Insurance company has denied their claim. We're telling them they're going to get cut off. They're very, very concerned and they're angry. And I tell them, listen, focus on your health. Focus on following your doctor's recommendations. Yeah. Let us deal with the insurance company without anger, with cold, hard calculation, using every legal tool in our arsenal to bring them down to their knees because they will be brought down to their knees. Because if they don't come to the table in good faith to try and negotiate a resolution, we will take them to court. We will have a judge nail them to the wall and they're going to pay you what they owe you and more. You know, it's funny too, because sometimes claimants or people in this situation feel, ah, you know, number one, I can't take on the insurance company. Number two, I don't know if they, they, you know, I don't know if I can do this. They don't see this coming. Insurance companies go through this every day. It's the same as employment with a, you know, a severance offer you guys deal with. Yeah, they're expecting you to come back. They know it's happened before. So there's no shock here. So don't sit around and accept it. Get you guys on the case, right? That's exactly right. And you know, the difference I think between some employers on the employment side that Lior talks about 
and uh, insurance companies is that, you know, with some employers, especially the smaller employers, I I can see them not necessarily knowing what the law is. Insurance companies are in the business of knowing what the law is. It's not their first rodeo. It's not their first rodeo. It's a casino. They understand that the vast majority of people are going to walk away, and those that they don't, they're going to end up paying out. But it's so much less than all the other individuals who are just leaving their money in the insurance company's yeah. pocket. Again, it's like a casino. It's, it's, it's very, very similar. It's a similar model. And, and at the end of the day, you're right, John. If you don't seek that legal help, if you don't give us a call, or, or if you don't contact a lawyer that specializes in that field dealing with insurance companies, you are literally giving money that is owed to you. I want to underline and highlight the word owed. owed. This is not money that you are asking for charity. Bonus. This is, no, it is, it's owed to you. It's almost like you know, a friend owes you $300,000. Right. Are you going to walk away from that money? No. I mean, come on. If they owe you that money, and they have that money, by the way. Insurance companies have the money. Okay, they're like banks. They have them. Are you going to walk away from that money, money that's owed to you, to your kids, to your family? Yeah. It makes zero sense. And yet I see this happening every single day with people walking away from money that they are owed. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help it in your corner. Dotsy. Len, you're uh, you're the first one up here as far as emails is concerned. Len writes in says I've had a triple buy. Ta- I had a triple bypass last October, and then a heart attack this past February. Uh, I've been on long term disability for over a year now because of heart related issues. All my life, I've been a long distance truck driver. I'm fifty four years old, and my doctors have all said that I can't go back to my job, but they haven't really said another anything about doing another job. But I don't know how to do anything else. I have a grade eight education. My insurance company is saying that they'll cut me off when I reach twenty four months, and I don't know what I'll do when that happens. Can you help me? Absolutely, Len. And, and you know, John, this is something we see quite a lot with individuals who have basic education, limited education. And they are told by their insurance company that they're going to be cut off at the two-year mark. Now, remember, let's go back to first principles of LTD. Why is the test changing at the two-year mark? Why are insurance companies cutting people off after two years of being on LTD? Because Mm -hmm. that's when the test for qualifying for LTD changes. At that point, the insurance company is telling you, if they're cutting you off, that they think that you can do some other job for which you are trained for, have education in, or experience. Well, Len... 54 years old, he you know, obviously has uh, significant uh, physical issues, heart issues. You know, being a long-distance truck driver, that's an extremely tough job. I know, I know drivers who, so who do, do this for a living, who've been doing this for decades. It's a very, very tough job. And many of them that I know don't have very high levels of education. And so what can they do, especially when they are limited physically uh, and, and, you know, they're in their 50s? So... In this case, I would be very curious to understand how the insurance company came to the conclusion that Len can do some kind of another job. No. What do they want him to do? To go again, work at Tim Hortons? To 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 what? To to be uh, I don't know a paper boy? Like what do they want him to do? Remember, it's not can you do any other occupation? It's can you do any other occupation for which you are trained for or have experience in right. or have education? Uh, and that's, that's relevant to it. So Len, 100% we can help you. And again, I love the fact that he's contacting us, John, before he's cut off. Yeah, smart. Very, very smart. Do not wait until that cutoff point because you will be cut off and then there's going to be no money coming in. In Your Corner happens on Global TV Sunday mornings at 8.30. Make sure you catch us there as well. To reach out now, 1-855-821-5900. Email is help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll get uh, to you, Benjamin, after a short break right here on In Your Corner.
Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Get a hold of Savannah James, member of the team. That is the number you want to use and keep with you. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. As promised, Benjamin, you're up next, pal, wrote in, says, uh, my wife has been struggling with severe depression and agoraphobia for years. It's gotten to the point where she hardly leave the house for more than a brief walk outside when the weather's good. She sees a psychologist twice a week via Skype, for which we paid out of pocket thousands of dollars over the years. Recently, her long-term disability insurer uh, had her case reviewed by a consultant who is not a medical doctor or a psychologist, and that person said that my wife needs to try to go back to work. This is despite her psychologist insisting that is not the right time for that. She does have to follow the insurance consultant's advice. Is that true? What if she gets worse because of it? We're really scared, and the adjuster is now threatening to cut off her benefits if she doesn't comply. So you see, John, how you know Benjamin is writing about his wife, and, and this goes back again to those emotions that we talked about. You can sense fear and oh, frustration, yeah. and I'm sure anger in there. Uh, by the way, agoraphobia, I mean, again, this uh, uh, same uh, um, uh, disability, same, same phrase um, twice in a show, that's, that's interesting. It's debilitating. Uh, it, it is debilitating, exactly. And you know, one of the ways that I know that somebody's really suffering is when they are shelling out thousands of dollars out of pocket to try and get better. I mean, what better evidence you have than that, than they really are trying to get better and it's a legitimate claim. And here she has a psychologist, a psychologist who's been treating her for a while, who says no way can she try to go back to work at the present time. And here you have the insurance company via the adjuster trying to force her back to work. And how do they do that? They don't come, you know, with a gun to your house and tell you, you got to go back to work. They threaten you. They tell you, we are going to take your livelihood away. We're going to take the money that you need to survive, that your family needs to survive. We're going to take that away. And, and what better incentive is there or, or threat can the insurance company use than telling you, we're going to take out that money that your family needs? So, of course, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to do anything for my family. Yeah. And you tell yourself, okay, well, I'm going to have to try and go back to work against the advice of the people who are treating me. And that is absolutely wrong to do. It's wrong for the insurance company to threaten that. And it's wrong for you, I think, to go against what your doctors are saying and, and in fact, uh, be bullied by the insurance company and trying to go back to work when they tell you that, that um, you should not. So, uh, Benjamin, l- let me answer your question now that, that I've had this rant. What if she gets worse because of it, because of trying to go back to work? Well, unfortunately, that's probably going to happen. I mean, yeah. that's what the psychologist is saying. That's why she's not supposed to go back. Exactly. I think your psychologist, family doctor, whoever is treating your wife should be writing unequivocally that this is yeah. what has been uh, said by the insurance company. It is against their opinion that your wife should be doing this at the present time or in the foreseeable future until such time as the psychologist believes or the family doctor, that she's in fact good to go. And I think that letter needs to be sent to the adjuster. I think that you need to make sure that you, Benjamin, or your wife, whoever's communicating with the adjuster, memorialize these conversations, meaning you confirm via email with the adjuster what it is that your position is, what it is that the adjuster is threatening to do. You want to make sure that you document these things, that you, you, you again, memorialize these, these communications in email that you say in the email, here's what you told me, here's what I am telling you, here's why I'm not able at this time to go back to work, here's my concern. You want to make sure that that's all in writing. The red record. Exactly, because if in six months from now, you actually start a legal claim, we now have this documentary record that, that shows the correspondence between you and the adjuster. 
And why that's important? Because then we can go after the insurance company, not only for the money they owe you, but for money in addition to that to punish them. It's called extra contractual damages. James loves that. Uh, he, he he often goes after the insurance company like a bloodhound, you know, for, for, for that money, and, and rightly so, uh, and he gets it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that I want to mention about this case um, to, to, uh, to our listeners is Benjamin is referencing here that the insurance company had a consultant. Consultant, yeah, James loves that word. This. He loves that too, exactly. Yeah. And I love that too because, you know, that often gives us an opening to really hit hard at the insurance companies. I mean, who are these consultants, especially when they're not doctors or, or they don't have the expertise to comment, to provide those opinions right. upon which the insurance company then relies on to cut off the individual or force the individual to do something against the advice of their treating practitioners. Uh, and, and what we find often is that these consultants don't have, again, the appropriate training, they don't have the appropriate education, and it gives us, again, an opening to go after the insurance company for money above and beyond what they owe the person. So again, Benjamin, you did the right thing by emailing us. We'll get in touch after the show. We're going to help your wife. I promise you, this is not one of those cases that are going to drag on. As soon as we're going to get involved, I can see the insurance company coming to the table very, very fast in order to to, to mitigate any any potential uh, you know damages awards that we're going to go after above and beyond what they owe your wife. So, so you know, again, don't be afraid. We will go after them, and we will force them to pay your wife what she's owed. I think you know they wouldn't use the language consultant if their person on that side was a medical practitioner. Wouldn't they just simply say doctor or psychologist? They wouldn't use the word consultant. It doesn't really give it any legitimacy. No, it doesn't. Uh, and, and frankly, a lot of times the adjusters who are ordering these reviews or, or are dealing with the consultants themselves don't actually understand the difference. <laughs> You know, I, I have seen cases where you had a medical doctor of one specialty provide an opinion uh, a, a, about a disability for which his particular specialty has nothing to do with. Right. right. You cannot have an orthopedic surgeon comment on agoraphobia, for example. Right. This is psychological, psychiatric type of a, of a condition. Yeah, it's not their jam. It, it's not. It's not. And the, but the thing is that as soon as they take that approach to the insurance company, they are now exposing themselves. It's an Achilles heel, right? We can go after the insurance company for that. As an individual dealing with this on the receiving end, you're not focused on that, right? You're just focusing on, on, on trying to survive and yeah. getting the money in the door. Whereas it's our job to not only defend you from the insurance company, but go at them like an attack dog. one 821 5900 is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. There's another resource for you to ask some questions and get them answered. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break and get to an email from our pal Dave. In that regard as well, lots more In Your Corner is on the way. Global News Radio, one 821 5900 and email address is help at inyourcorner.ca. Appreciate all your uh, reaching out and your emails on the show today. Really, I uh, really appreciate it. There's lots to talk about and expose a lot of things when it comes to dealing with the insurance company. There's also mydisabilityquestions.com, right? That's also another good resource to ask your questions. Leave them there. There's a drop-down menu. There's a high probability that your question has been answered by uh, Savan himself or a member of his crew. If not, leave it there, and it will be answered uh, promptly pretty much guarantee that. Dave, uh, your email's up next. Dave says, I was in a bad car accident last year. When I was driving from Windsor back to Toronto, it was very dark and the weather was not good. My friend who was driving lost control of the car and we rolled into a ditch. I broke one of my vertebrae in my back and was in hospital for months. I'm a roofer and I've been a roofer for over 15 years since I was in my early 20s. I haven't been back to work since then. 
And I'm not sure uh, what I can do now with my injuries, which according to the doctors are going to be permanent. Should I be getting some compensation from this from anyone? Yes, absolutely, Dave. And this is something that is, again, important to understand, especially now that we're uh, on, on the tail end of uh, winter, summer's maybe. approaching, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, We're into roofing season, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and construction. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Dave, very important to understand. I mean, you, you probably know now, uh, I assume you know, that you're entitled to certain benefits from, from your auto insurance company. And, if, and, and you know, if you, don't have auto ins- um, if you don't have auto insurance and you're in somebody else's vehicle, they, that, have, insurance. they have insurance and they're going to kick in. And, and those are called accident benefits. Mm-hmm. They're actually termed no-fault accident benefits because it doesn't actually matter who's at fault. Even if you were at fault for the accident, you're still entitled to them. And they include income replacement benefits if you can't work. So, Dave, that would apply to you uh, up to a maximum of $400 per week uh, unless there are optional benefits. That you paid for more. They paid for more. You got it, yeah. exactly. And again, there's a formula to get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, medical rehabilitation benefits. There could be other benefits as well depending on your circumstances. But what's more important than accident benefits in a case like yours, Dave, is the tort claim. And what I mean by that is somebody is responsible for this. And unfortunately, in this case, Dave, it's your friend. Now, the fact that it's your friend and the fact that you may have a legal cause of action against your friend for this compensation should not deter you. And I want to really explain this because I have people contacting me where uh, they've been passengers in, in a vehicle where the, their wife or yeah, their husband be a family member or, for or sure. a son, exact family member or a friend, it doesn't matter from the standpoint of insurance. As long as there's someone who's responsible for the accident, whether it's the city because the roads were bad or it's the driver of the vehicle who just fell asleep or was not paying attention, your claim against that driver ultimately is going to be a case between you and their insurance company. Yeah, don't take it personal. Do not take it personally, right. no. Uh, so it's not uncommon to have a wife suing a husband. Yeah, right? it sounds ludicrous, but it's it about does. the insurance. As yeah. long as the, the, the claim is legit, as long as you're dealing with serious and permanent injuries, right. whether they're psychological or physical or a combination of both. And in this case, with, with, in Dave's situation, with a back injury like that, John, we're talking about a case that's probably worth in the seven figures here. Okay, millions. And again, is there going to be enough money in the pot from the insurance company to cover it? I don't know. I don't know the extent of the injuries. I mean, a broken vertebrae and the fact that he can't work, that's huge. The worst thing you can do, again, is not take action in a situation where you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, I can't start a claim against my friend. I can't start a claim against my family member. Remember, it's not you versus them. It's ultimately you versus the insurance company. Now, let me tell you something that's quite interesting. If you end up in court, which is, by the way, extremely rare for these cases, you know that juries are never told or not allowed to be told that, in fact, there is an insurance company that's going to ultimately pay the claim. Really? If there is one, they're not allowed. Because, of course, the, 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 the policy considerations are such that you think to yourself that if a jury knew that or it was front and center in their minds, yeah. that they would award you know, the sky to of course, whoever it's is insurance company. Exactly. Dish. Yeah. So, so on the actual legal claim, all you see, Dave, is your name versus your friend's name. But right. in reality, unless your friend has no insurance or unless he's breached his insurance and there are te- te- you know, technical issues relating to that, mm-hmm. it's going to be really, at the end of the day, you versus his insurance company. And with your kinds of injuries, Dave, you've got to start that claim now. It is so crucial to start claims for catastrophic types of injuries immediately, as soon as they happen. Because the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take for you to get that money, money that you need now to survive, money that you may need now in order to modify your home. 
so that you can have a certain standard of right, living. Right. You know, you may need uh, uh, care around the home with those kinds of injuries. You probably do. So very, very important to start those kinds of claims immediately. And again, we do this day in and day out uh, in our office. You know, you kind of touched on, you know, uh, the insurance company and, and going after them and all that stuff, and court especially. Because it's expensive for the insurance company, I know you like to reiterate that these things don't often get there. It's between you and the insurance company. Yeah, they, they don't get there. And again, you know, I, I know people are bombarded with ads by lawyers all over the place, on TV, on radio. It should not, co- well, I, let me speak about our firm. It doesn't cost you anything, not only to speak with us, but for us to handle your claim. Right. So if you think about that, at the end of the day, actually, I, sh- I, should, I should rephrase, it doesn't cost you anything at the beginning. We, we take a percentage, essentially, of whatever we're, we, we, we yeah, recover. Yeah, that's fine. So, you know, very important to understand that we are in the same boat as you are. And, and that, that means that we are very selective about the cases that we take. And I'll tell you straight out, if I think that there's a problem with your case or if there's a weakness, I don't care that there is a weakness. I just want you to understand what that weakness is. Now, if I think that you don't have a case, I will tell you that there is no case out there for me to pursue on your behalf. And that's actually very important because there are some law firms and some lawyers who are known in the insurance industry for taking on absolutely yeah, every case Yeah, they just cast a wide net. And that's a problem because then the insurance companies are aware of those lawyers. They know which lawyers are higher-end lawyers, which lawyers are bottom feeders, quote unquote. That's just the reality. It's true for I'm not, sure. I'm not saying on air who's yeah, who. You're and, just and saying it exists. I'm just, it exists. Yeah. 100% it exists. And I can tell you, having worked on the defense side for insurance companies, we would often, one of the first things we would do when we get a claim on our desk, flip to the last page of the claim to figure out who's representing the individual that is starting the claim. And that affects how much you're going to put in the kitty, right? It affects yeah. how much I used to tell the adjuster to put aside wow. for eventual resolution. If it was a lawyer I recognized, somebody who's really good, a good law firm, yeah. I would tell my yeah, client- hold on tight, boys. I would tell them, make yeah. sure that you reserve more money for settlement. Nice. We'll take a short break. The inner workings of the insurance and injury law. I love it. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out through email as well. We'll bounce over to Daniel's email on the other side of the break. It's uh, in your corner right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 and help at inyourcorner.ca and you want to catch us on our global TV show as well. That happens Sunday mornings at 8.30. Getting to another email. Daniel says, my sister has been dealing with a very difficult situation at home for the past year and a half. She had a miscarriage and this led to a divorce. She's been seeing a psychologist and he has advised that she has severe depression. She's on medications, but she's unable to work and her family doctor also agrees. Despite that, her insurance company denied her long-term disability claim. Does she need to see a psychiatrist to get her claim approved? Okay, so uh, Danielle, thank you for, 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 for writing to us. And I'm really sorry for what your sister's going through. Miscarriages are just a horrific thing yeah. uh, to go through, compounded by a divorce here. Uh, look, I have yet to see an, an, an LTD policy that stipulates that you cannot have a psychologist provide uh, a report or treatments to an individual that's suffering from a mental health type of an issue. Uh, but that said, again, we go back to the LTD policy. That's the contract that governs the relationship between the individual and the insurance company. And if the LTD policy says you have to have a psychiatrist, well, then you have to have a psychiatrist. I just, I have never seen that. Uh, now, there is a predisposition by insurance companies to, let's just say, treat with more respect sometimes Mm. um, practitioners who have an MD behind their name as opposed to a PhD or just a PhD. 
I, I think that's nonsensical. It makes no sense to right. me. I've seen uh, a lot of phenomenal psychologists uh, and I've seen really bad psychiatrists. And you can say that about pretty much any industry and any type of doctor or treatment provider. So as far as I'm concerned, Daniel, as long as your uh, sister's psychologist, treating psychologist and family doctor, by the way, there is an MD in the picture, as long as they say that she's unable to work, she's disabled from working because of X, Y, and Z, again, they didn't just write this on a paper napkin saying the person can't work. As long as they've given detail, they've explained the functional limitations, they've explained what the diagnosis is, the potential prognosis, there is no reason in my mind for the insurance company to deny that claim. And to answer your question, Daniel, unless the LTD policy says that she must be seen and treated by a psychiatrist, no, she does not have to go to a psychiatrist in order to get a report from that person if you're thinking that that's what, if you're thinking that that is what's going to persuade the insurance company to approve the claim. And, and by the way, John, I, I, want, I want to actually touch on something else here. There is this um, thing, um, I don't know if I call it a thing or not, but it goes back to those emotions we talked about, frustration, anger, and fear that people yeah. feel when they deal with insurance companies. You want to either please the insurance company uh, or you want to um, per- per- perhaps be compliant and overly compliant with what it is that they're asking you to do. Okay. Uh, and again, that stems from the illusion that you have no power, right? So in this case, Daniel's saying, does she need to see a psychiatrist? Like, what else do we need to do yeah. to perhaps alter the opinion of the insurance company, of the adjuster? As far as I'm concerned, that's not the correct approach. The correct approach is, what does the policy say? And is the insurance company complying with their obligations under the insurance company, uh, uh, under the insurance contract? Sure. If they're not then you have a legal right to enforce that against the insurance company. Don't let them get away with it. That's why the insurance companies ask you to do certain things which are unreasonable, such as going back to work against medical advice. There is no reason in the world for you to, to do that. There is no reason in the world for you to do something the insurance company is asking you to do when uh, you know that they have no right to do that, when you know that the insurance company doesn't give them that right, and when you know that it's bad for you. So again, don't act like a victim. Don't cry and complain about how the insurance company is treating you. This is when you contact us or or any lawyer that deals in this area of law and you let us fight back and force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. I sound like a broken record, but that's I'm saying this because every I, I was dealing John with a, with a gentleman uh, yesterday. I'm going to squeeze this in from BC who apparently consulted three LTD lawyers in BC and then contacted me. On his wife's behalf, she's been on LTD for, for, I think, over a decade. Then she gets cut off, and he's trying to figure out how to persuade the adjuster to put her back on claim. So he contacts me, and I'm looking through this narrative that he sends me, mm-hmm. and what do I see? I see that the two-year limitation period for him to take legal action or for his wife to take legal action expires in six days. Hello. And I'm telling him, I said, you understand what is going on here? I mean, every other lawyer you consulted that, is, that told you what I'm telling you now are, are, are not doing this because they want to make a buck. They're telling you beyond that six-day period, once that, those two years elapse, your wife's claim is extinguished. You will oh. have no ability. That, and this is a lady who's been on LTD for over 10 years. Insane. So- Long story short, he decides not to go with us or, frankly, with any lawyer. He's still shopping around for a lawyer to help him persuade the insurance company to put her back on claim. Well, he's out of time. Well, he, he is out of time. He's going to be out of time in a few days. And, and it's very, it's tragic. It's really tragic. And, and by the way, that claim is worth six figures. 
You lead a horse to water, buddy. That's it. You can't make a drink. That's all you can do. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. Good show again today. Appreciate all your contributions via email. You want to send one along now that we're done for this week. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. Uh, Toll free, of course, anytime. one 821 5900 and you will catch us on In Your Corner on Global TV. That happens Sunday mornings at 8.30. Please join us for that show as well. Till next time, this has been In Your Corner on Global News Radio.